How we doing? Good. Good. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to James chapter 4. There's one verse we're going to read. Last week, if you were with us, or if you were with us for Monday Night Live, we walk through together or are walking through the core values of our church, the mission statement of our church, what our church means to us, what we uh, believe we're called to do as a faith family and as a body of Christ. And, and it kind of fleshes itself out L-O-V-E. And we want to love God and worship Him. And we want to obey Him through prayer, Bible study, and discipleship. We want to venture into the, all the world. And we want to equip believers to do gospel-centered ministry. That's the core theme or the core value of our church. And today we're on O, which is obey. So if you're taking down notes this morning, just go ahead and scratch obey somewhere in the margins of your notes. Now we just went through this in Monday Night Live, but I felt like it was really important for us um, because Monday Night Live attendance wasn't very great. I felt like it was really important for us to walk through that on Sunday morning so a few of us might hear it. The first week when we launched, which was last week, if you're just visiting us, I want to catch you up real quick. It was love God and worship Him. And what we talked about last week, really the theme verse, was that we were to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. The second commandment was like the first one, that we're actually commanded to love, that we should love God, allow our life to be a responsive love to God, and then we should love others because of the way we were loved by God. Do you get that this morning? We should love others because of the way that we've been loved by God. All right. I want to pray before we dive into this week. Father, thank you so much for your grace. God, thank you for the opportunity to teach the incredible Word of God. Thank you for the opportunity to share the goodness and the riches, God, Lord, that are your Word, God, that is your Word, Father. And Lord, what we know is there... There's no fallacy here this morning. In your scripture, God, Lord, we draw from a well that's perfect, Lord, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us today, God, because we believe and affirm that you are the greatest of all time. God, that there's none like you, there's never been any like you, and there will never be any like you, and we desperately need you this morning, God. Above everything else, God, we need to encounter your presence and your spirit, or we will leave the same, and that's not our prayer. We want to be forever changed by your power by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read you a couple chunks, paragraphs, if you will, throughout this morning, which will actually be in the curriculum that we're releasing. We're about to change the way we do membership and have done membership for years, where used to you would kind of walk the aisle and, and sign a card and join here. We're transitioning to um, membership curriculum, where you will walk through a Wednesday night class, you will know who the church is, what we believe, we'll know who you are, if you believe, and that's how, that's going to be the inroad to church membership, so there will be accountability. And this is very first point in obey. At FBC, we believe that God has called us to obey His commands. We see God as a good Father who has given us instruction for our good and His glory, and we aim to please Him. He is not some overbearing and distant spiritual figure that we obey out of fear of retaliation. He is our faithful Father and our merciful Master, and from that centered belief, we obey out of glad and grateful hearts. When it comes to obedience, there are three areas that we believe to be very crucial 
to growing and maturing as a believer in Christ. These three areas, and the three areas that we're going to focus on this morning together as a faith family, is prayer, Bible study, and discipleship. Prayer, Bible study, and discipleship. If you're taking notes, jot this down. What is prayer? Prayer. In James 4, 8, it says, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Prayer is communion. Prayer is closeness and intimacy with God. Prayer is this incredibly unique opportunity that you and I have that's been made possible, and I want to say this, it was made possible by the death, the life, burial, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of King Jesus. That you and I get to approach the throne room of grace. That you and I get to commune with God. That He's approachable to us. That no matter what we have on our heart or on our mind or stirring around inside of us, we get to take it to God in prayer, into communion, and into closeness. I've quoted this many, many, many times, and I love Psalm 63, just to hear the, 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 the closeness and how interesting it is, David's relationship with God. He says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly will I seek you. My flesh longs for you, and I thirst for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I mean, think about that verbiage. Think about what he's saying there. He's saying, God, you're, you're my God. There's this intimate, personal relationship. And this morning, what I want you to know about prayer is that it's not about you and whoever's around you or you and what church you go to. Prayer, you have the opportunity to pray to a God who wants to hear from you. You have the opportunity to pray to a God who made a way through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for you to pray. Draw near to God. And there's a promise in Scripture. If you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. There's a, a closeness and a communion. There's a companionship and a relationship there that can't be matched on this earth. Second thing this morning is confession. Prayer is not only communion, but it's confession to God. Again, I love to draw from the psalm, in Psalm 51, 1 through 4. This is David praying, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgression, wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, for my transgression is always before you. Against you and you only have I sinned. See, there's this moment in David's life, there's this closeness, there's this communion which he understands to be close with God. There has to be confession. Another word, a churchy word that we might want to use would be repentance. And Because sometimes we're just, I don't know any other way to say it, but sometimes we're just dumb sheep, right? Sometimes we just... We sin, we rebel, we run from God. And, and rather than staying in our sin or our rebellion, all we have to do this morning is to confess. Repent. In that closeness, that relationship that is fractured by our sin is put back together by the grace and goodness of Christ Jesus. This morning you say, TJ, what, what is prayer? Man, prayer is communion. Prayer is getting to come to God and just say, God, here I am. But prayer is also confession. Prayer is that place you get to go to in your prayer closet and say, God, listen, I've just kind of blown it. God, I've screwed up. 
God, Lord, I, I've been sinning in this area or this area. Or I haven't trusted you in this area. God, I just need to confess that. Or maybe it's just, God, there's some whys that I'm struggling in my life. Why'd you let this happen? Or why'd you let that happen? And I just need to confess those things to you, God. Listen, sometimes you'll hear preachers get in the pulpit and say, don't ask God why. Listen, I want to tell you this morning that God's comfortable. He's big enough to handle your whys. He doesn't reject you in your fear and in your doubt. He wants you. So this morning, if you're wrestling with why, and you've heard before from a preacher, don't ask God why. Well, I don't really see that in the Bible. Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I figured if it's okay for Jesus, it's okay for me. Bring your wives to God. Bring your confession to God. Prayer is not only communion and confession, it's also petitions. The, Paul, the greatest, arguably the greatest church planner of all time, he said, three times I prayed for the Lord for him to take this thing from me. He called it his thorn in his flesh. Theologians and scholars, some will say it was irritable bowel syndrome. Some will say it was he, his, he was blind. He was going blind. And some would say that it was uh, literally um, just physical ailments. Some would say it was because he was in prison. And some would say it was just a spiritual attack, a spiritual warfare that just constantly battled him. And he said, Lord, I've prayed three times, and you won't take this thing away. But then he says this, yet your grace is sufficient for me. So listen, sometimes prayer is petition. Sometimes we go to God over and over and over, and not just for ourselves. We get in the habit of going to God, petitioning God, not only for needs in our lives, but we intercede for others. See, prayer isn't just about ourselves. Sometimes, and I know in my own life at times, it seems like I've often asked for the hand of God and not the heart of God. There have been so many times that I run to God in prayer and I say, God, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this. And then I'm kind of good. And I just roll out. I pray today, right? And when I look back on my prayer time, sometimes I'm like, man, all I really did was ask for your hand, and I never asked for your heart. I never confessed. I never just communed with God. And I definitely didn't intercede for others. I was interceding for myself. But a part of prayer this morning that I want you to grab hold to is that prayer is inter intercession to God for others. Luke twenty two thirty one. Listen to this. This is what Jesus said to one of his disciples. Satan desires to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. Listen, I, I don't know about you this morning, but I gain great encouragement knowing that when I'm in the heat of the battle, knowing that no matter what life throws at me, that the same thing that was uttered to Peter that night, hey, listen, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. And you may come this morning, and you may say, TJ, that's kind of where I'm living. That's what I'm sitting in. Like, Satan is just kind of sifting me as wheat. Like, my life has just been rough lately in spiritual warfare, or, or my finances, or my marriage, or my kids. Or Maybe you feel that way. Man, I've just been sifted over and over. Be encouraged this morning, because Christ is praying for you. He has not abandoned you. He has not left you. That's the words of Jesus. Satan desires to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. Listen, I'm just going to be real with you. If none of you decide to ever pray for me, that's good. Jesus prays for me. Right? 
Nobody else in your life ever prays for you. You've got Jesus interceding and praying on your behalf. You say, teacher, are you sure about that? Hebrews 7.25, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. He lives to intercede for them. It's who he is. He did it on the cross for you eternally. Through the power of his blood and the power of his resurrection. But now he intercedes. Scripture says it's at the right hand of the Father. He intercedes on your behalf. I love the way it was painted one time by an old preacher. The old preacher said, you know, oftentimes when I think about Christ's intercession for me, I think about the gavel of God's wrath. And how there had to be a payment for sin. There had to be, there was a penalty paid, and, and there was a penalty, and it had to be paid. There had to be payment, and the gavel of God's wrath was coming down, and, and, and I'd given my life to Christ. And every time the gavel about hits me, Jesus says, no, 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 Father, I paid for that. And then, then I, I go a little further along in life, and I walk into a situation, I feel like I, I'm, I'm not going to make it, and the gavel of God's wrath, or the... the it, the torment of the enemy even is raging against me. I'm being sifted as wheat, and Christ steps in and says, no, 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 I paid for that. So I want you to hear this morning that you're, you're being interceded for right now. That you may have walked in here in a circumstance or a situation that you can't explain or understand or for the life of you know why God would allow you to walk through it. But please, please, please hear me when I say this. Jesus Christ is interceding on your behalf. Sitting with you, walking with you, whispering hope to you. Jesus Christ will not abandon you. So not only is prayer, communion, and confession, petition, intercession for others, and Christ interceding for us, it's also meditation with God. I love Psalm 63.6 where David says, Oh God, on my bed I remember you. I think of you in the watches of the night. This is the psalmist just talking to God, his friend. I lay in bed at night and think about you. I just meditate on you, God. For us to be able to meditate on God, we have to know his word. And I'm not jumping to my next point just yet, but I want you to I want you to hear these two scriptures. Because no matter what, at some point in our lives, we all walk in a place where we just need to hear from the Lord and we need to meditate, we need to sit, we need to rest in the truth of Scripture, the truth, the foundation of God's Word. Psalm 119.49 says, Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. See, there are times where we won't know what to pray. There are times when the situation or the circumstance or you flip on the news or, or, or you go to the doctor or whatever the situation is and you, you're at a place where you say, man, I just don't even know what to pray. It's when we get to open the Bible and meditate on the Word of God where he says, remember, this is the psalmist crying out, remember your word to your servant. We get to use his word. Remember your word to your servant which you made me hope, God. This is my comfort and my affliction that your promise gives me life. Listen, when you have no words, he's given them to you. Meditate on the word of God in prayer. The last thing this morning when it comes to prayer is leaning in and listening to God. I said it earlier, but I'm often guilty of, 
of, of praying and, and, and saying a lot of things to God and then kind of running out and getting my day started. And, and, and prayer, there's an element of prayer that, that part of it is listening, leaning in and listening to God. I want to read this to you from 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. Then he said, go out and stand in the mountain before the Lord. He's talking to Elijah. This is God talking to Elijah here. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? See, prayer, sometimes when we're in our prayer closets, we're walking through things, we expect God to move with just a fierce miracle. We expect there to be some kind of earth-shaking moment. And sometimes we get discouraged in those moments. We think, God, you're supposed to explode here. God, you're supposed to just kind of flex here. Would you do that, God? Just flex. All the while, God's just saying, lean in and listen to me. I've got something to say. Would you take time this upcoming week maybe to lean in and listen to God? Let's move on together. Jot this down. We pray and we engage in prayer and we want to be known by prayer in our church. We want to be known as a people of prayer because prayer is powerful. I'm going to read you three verses that remind us and support the foundation of that thought and that heartbeat. For Mark eleven twenty three. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Acts twenty eight nine. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer placed his hands on him, and he was healed. Listen, we believe in prayer at this church. We believe that we should pray for others. We should believe that we should confess to God, and we believe that Christ is interceding on our behalf because it is absolutely powerful. Amen? It's powerful. God uses prayer to align our heart with His so that we might see glorious and miraculous things done in His name. James 5, 14-15 If anyone is sick among you, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And a prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. He'll do it. We have Prayer, and prayer is powerful this morning. So we want to be known as a church. When we think about the core values of First Baptist Church, how do we want to be identified in our community? How do we want to be identified in the world? We want to be identified as a group of people who are absolutely praying and who absolutely believe in the power of prayer. But not only prayer, we believe in Bible study. If you're taking notes, jot down Bible study. And this is a piece you'll hear in your membership curriculum coming up. The Bible is without a doubt the most incredible, tangible gift that God has given us as a New Testament church. God has revealed Himself through His Word, and it contains all wisdom a believer will need for any and every situation. God's Word is our anchor through life. Since the Bible is God's self-revelation to us, we want to know it, depend on it, and to be able to skillfully handle it. Listen, it's a core value of our church. We want to know it, to depend on it, and to be able to skillfully handle it. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. 
Listen, I want you to know the Bible for yourself. I don't want you to take my word for it. Like, I, I want you to, to get a, become a part of a, a Sunday school class or a, a Wednesday night class, and not just so we can have people in Sunday school or people on Wednesday night, because the reality is you, you may leave this place, and you, your business or family may take you to other places. And, and, and listen, I, I try, I desperately try to give you the, the, the correct hermeneutical references to the Word, which is the, what they were saying at the time and what the original author meant, the original intent of the Scripture and the language. Like, I love that stuff. And I believe that you can trust what I give you on Sunday mornings, but I don't want you to trust me just at my word. I want you to dig in it for yourself. I don't want you to just say, why do you believe that? Well, my preacher said it. It was a terrible reason to believe it. <laughs> I'm just a dude. But I do fight for the word of God, and I fight for what's best for our church. But you may go somewhere where some preacher stands up, and to him this is just a bill of goods that he uses to pad his pockets. Happens all over our country. And I want every one of you that are sitting there to know for sure when you sit under that kind of teaching, if it is right or good. I want you to be able to discern between the good and the bad, the false and the true. And the only way that you do that, I can't do that for you, you have to dig into this for yourself. We have so many Bible study options on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. I mean, you say, well, I'm not ready for a small group. Man, Google Lifeway Bible study, Nehemiah, James, John, something. There's, there's so many resources out there to know the Word of God. The Bible is living, and the Bible is powerful. We want to study it because it's powerful. Romans 1.16, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, says, For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, the Jew first and also the Greek. Like The gospel, the word, the power of God lives in this thing. The Bible's living. It's living. It's valuable and it's sufficient. I want to read you two more verses and then we're going to move on to wrap up. Psalm 119.72 says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for godly living through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. That means that this is more valuable than any silver or gold that we could lay our hands on, and it is more sufficient than anything else on this planet. It's sufficient. All we need for life and godliness is wrapped up in the pages of this beautiful book. One of my favorite quotes, you've heard it before and you'll hear it a million more times, but Martin Luther said, The soul can do without everything except the word of God, without which none of which without which none at all of all of its wants are provided for. The soul can do without everything except the word of God. The last point I'm going to make this morning. We want to be a church that's known for our prayer, that we pray for people, that we love people, that we serve people. We want to be known for prayer, that we intercede for people, that we stand in the gap. We want to be known for how we honor the Word of God, how we stand on truth, how we don't budge on the Scriptures, how we, we rightly divide the Word of truth. We, we do the hard work of digging into the text. We want to be known as a church that biblically and theologically we are sound in our doctrine. We want to be known by that. And the last thing this morning, and, and we want to be known as a church that is serious about discipleship. So the three areas that we can look at this morning, prayer, the Word of God, and discipleship. Discipleship should be the exclamation point of our lives. 
Like, it, it should be and is the reason that we exist as a church. And if we aren't making disciples, I'm going to say this, if we aren't making disciples, then we're just making consumers. Like, if we aren't going and telling the most incredible story that's ever touched earth, and, and, and this is for the believers in the room, if you come and you're not a believer this morning, you're just trying this church thing out, and you're like, I don't know, it was dark, now the lights are on, this is real weird, well, I mean... Maybe that's you this morning. You're off the hook for just a second. This is to the believers this morning. Listen, if you just come and you just enjoy the music and you, you, you like the way I talk or the Wayne Way talks or whatever, and, and you go and, and there's no interaction with the lost and dying world, then you're not doing your job. I mean, if I come and I just preach to you on Sunday mornings and I leave it at that, and I don't go and compel the world to come in, then I'm not doing my job. We were called to make disciples, and disciples do what their teacher does. Jesus' Jesus' disciples went into the highways and the hedges. Why? Because they watched their master walk into the homes of the broken and the lonely and the hurting. And he just loved them. And he went to a cross for them. So you and I this morning, we have an option. We really do. We have an option. We can stay comfortable and stay where we are and we can just be consumers or we can take this giant leap of faith and step out and we could follow what our teacher did. We could begin to love people who are unlovely. We could begin to love the lost and seek the lost and bring the lost in and spend our lives making his name known in this city. Discipleship is the heartbeat of Jesus for his church. And there's, there's two scriptures that, that really drive that home, and we, we say it often, Matthew 28, 19. Go make disciples, baptizing them, in the name of, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples. Go. Go make disciples. That means go and lock your arms around somebody. Go and pick someone up. Go and care for someone. Go and shove the, show them the love of Jesus. I said shove. I mean, you can shove them in the church if you want to. Go and show the love of Jesus. And I've said it to you before, but Jesus' going away sermon, his ascension sermon, when he was throwing up deuces to all of his friends, he was about to roll out. He was done. He was done on the earth. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. What's interesting right there is it didn't say the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be some great worship leader. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be some great preacher. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be a great lawyer, a great doctor, a great coach, a great teller. It's not what it said. So the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. The key desire for Christ is that his church would make disciples. We were given the Holy Spirit so that we might reflect, look like Christ to the world, that we might be his ambassadors. Let's pray together. God, make us a church. God, make us a church that is serious about prayer, that is dedicated to the discipline of Bible study, and Father, who would pour out our life for the discipleship of this city and this world. Teach us what it is to give up our life like you gave up your life. Teach us, God. 
Lord, I'm not preaching this morning from a place of thinking that I have it all together and know how to figure all this stuff out, God. I'm asking on behalf of our faith family that you would teach us to pray, that you would teach us to study your word, God, and that you would teach us to disciple. Help us follow you in the scriptures. Help us respond with willing hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.